0: Big fluff. It's no use. We're going to freeze. Maybe not. Maybe I can save you. Let's stop here. Now, you lie down in the snow face up. Okay. Now give me your hand so I can monitor your temperature. I can use my energy to keep your heart working. You'll be in a state of suspended animation. Elle, as an opponent, I always knew you were programmed to never give up, which was infuriating. But now that quality must be best. You're the most faithful companion a woman ever had. And I, too, respect you, Stella. You are the nicest human being I've known. Now maybe is a good time to use your ancient system of prayer and hope it works for robots as well. Goodbye, my friend. Goodbye for now, Stella.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned
0: movies and we find their silver linings. And boy, howdy, do we have do we have a movie for you to continue our drafting opportunity slash mockbuster month? Uh, This movie. Now, there is some debate as to whether it officially counts as a mockbuster or not. Uh, Short answer, it absolutely does. But we are watching uh, 1978's Star Crash. One word.
1: Are you alluding to the fact that the people who made this movie are liars? Is that? Yes, that yeah. is exactly what I'm alluding to. Yeah, because I believe I read the same thing that you did, which is they claimed that they were working on this movie before Star Wars happened and that it just was coincidental, but I think having watched this movie, no.
0: <laughs> well, there's also like the contra thing that uh uh Luigi Gozzi, the uh director of the movie, um all he had was a novelization of Star Wars. He read that and then made this movie. Yeah. Yeah. That that's seems, what happened.
1: That seems way more accurate than coincidentally we were making a movie that's exactly like Star Wars. Right? With a character named Zarth Arn. and
0: <laughs> Well, also with a lightsaber. And a laser sword. Yeah. Got a laser sword. You got space battles. You it's got a fresh-faced white evangelist with I, magic would, powers. I,
1: what I think is interesting because this came out, correct me if I'm wrong, but this came out, what, a year after Star Wars, right? Just but, about, yeah. But before Empire Strikes Back, right? Yes. I think Star Wars might have ripped this movie off. It's it's possible. I think that's the real Aurora Boris of this story is yes, that. Yes,
0: definitely. This is. Clearly. The snake is eating its tail here.
1: Clearly, this movie is stealing from from Star Wars, but I think George Lucas watched Star Crash and then went. Oh, snow planet. That's Ooh. interesting. Oh, the the protagonist is being frozen in the snow and has to be rescued by by everyone else. That I like that. That feels like a good good Star Wars moment to happen.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah. Old British actors phoning it in. That <laughs> seems as Star Wars as it gets.
1: <laughs> also, I don't know, and I'm going to get around to the third one of these. I don't know, maybe some sort of more, uh, you know, planet with more greenery around where some sort of more ancient race might grab my protagonist and try to tie them up and maybe eat them or, you know. Sure. I'm just saying George Lucas really ripped off Star Crash, and I think it's time we all
0: acknowledge it. No, I think that 100%, you know, uh... (laughs) it's it that's it that's really all we can say about that, yeah, I think that you know
1: history will eventually vindicate uh the the makers of star Crash,
0: yes, Luigi cozzi will uh or Lewis Coates in the initial American release of this movie because they thought Americans aren't going to watch a movie by one of them Italians. <laughs>
1: What do Italians know about filmmaking? Name one famous Italian filmmaker who's celebrated by any American filmmakers. You can't.
0: I can't think of any.
1: Yeah. You definitely can't name one or eight and a half
0: or... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you'd think that if there was a good Italian filmmaker that would be some sort of like cinematic paradise, but no. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So just I think we've set it up as much as it needs to be set up. But yeah, this movie is a it's it's an Italian film that is that is crashing in. I was going to say by accident, cashing in on Star Wars. But we haven't talked about the cast. And I think we should uh, tell people if they don't know who who's in this movie, because it's it's an all star cast.
0: It is Uh, this. It's just. And and there's even like the non there's a couple two very famous people, I think, that American audiences would immediately recognize. Uh, And then some of the backstory for some of the other people in this cast is bananas. All right. I assume
1: correctly, if I'm wrong, but the two people that you think most people would recognize would be one, Christopher Plummer. Yes. As the emperor who's good in this movie. He's not a bad emperor. And two benevolent and maybe a god. (laughs) And two, David Hasselhoff as his son, Prince Simon, who has one of my favorite reveals in this movie, which is we first see him with a mask that shoots lasers out of its eyes. But when he reveals that mask, it looks like he still has a helmet on because his hair is so plastered to his head.
0: That hair is epic. That is uh, the second best uh, hairstyle in the movie to act in Uh, his just curly seventies fro is acton is amazing
1: he is he's ready to take over as Doctor Who, like with his, <laughs> his for sure with his seventies perm uh yeah. but but yeah, so uh, the person that i don't know if people would know the name but who might be recognized by American audiences would be uh Carolyn Monroe, who was bond girl yes and and she's she's essentially a more exploited princess leia i guess in this movie
0: mixed with a healthy dose of Han solo and
1: yeah i well that's the funny thing right is like she on the one hand she gets to do more she's like really in the action and she gets a fight scene a
0: couple fight scenes
1: but she also is really like if it's like the whole movie is the gold bikini scene from Return of the Jedi. Like she's just constantly filming that. The first two thirds, especially. Which I did laugh out loud when she was sent to a prison planet and was the only prisoner dressed in leather. In sexy like.
0: dominatrix gear.
1: Yeah. Like everyone else is wearing burlap sacks, but she is somehow.
0: But dressed. she's got a pleather bikini with like stilettos and. Which she keeps for most of the rest of the movie somehow. At some point she wears like a space suit, but even that is pretty revealing. Which is also, there's, uh, there's touches of like Barbarella-esque costumes in this. Very much so. The Amazons, for example.
1: Well, and it's, you get into that thing, I, I know like Carrie Fisher talked about some of the arguments that she had with George Lucas making Star Wars, where... He wouldn't let her wear a bra because he said that there was no underwire in space because the metal with zero gravity right. or some ridiculous, you know, he didn't want her to wear a bra. Excuse, but it's it's interesting to see this movie. Yeah, where like stilettos, full face makeup, like I think the perhaps even it's either the prison thing or the other really egregious one that cracked me up was when she is frozen in the ice and she's defrosted, her hair is so perfect when they saw her. So,
0: just not a single strand out of place. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like she, <laughs> instead of
1: being frozen, it looks like she just got back from the salon when yeah. she's okay again. And her
0: makeup's fine, too, after being... Yeah, just nothing is smudged from all of the ice and snow that was on her or anything. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> I feel like the most interesting cast member to talk about is Marjo Gortner as Acton, who we've alluded Did to as amazing hair, as amazing hair. Did you read up any, at all about him? I
1: didn't know. Please, please. Oh, my goodness. Me
0: so uh, his he goes by Marjo. Uh, I believe his given name was like Hugo or something or Hugh, I think. Yeah. Hugh Marjo Ross Gortner. I thought you were going to tell me his name. legal name is Marjorie Joseph. <laughs> no, but the, so the reason that his middle name was Marjo is that it was a combination of Mary and Joseph. Okay. The, uh, the parents of the one and only Jesus of Nazareth. And, uh, he grew well, up. Well, I mean, adopted, adopted. parent for Joseph because yeah. he blitzed, right. give props to the other parent right, God. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. Of course. But, you know, I mean, Joseph did the raising. That's true. That's, yeah. You know, I, I, anyways, uh, there's a million comedic sketches, about it. you're not even my real dad. But I like to think it was a co-parent situation. You know,
1: I mean, there was sort of this like holy trinity of parents that, that yeah, Jesus. Definitely.
0: Had. Yeah. So that all alludes to the fact that Marjo Gortner uh, spent most of his youth as a Pentecostal evangelical preacher. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and. uh was, you know, fraught with as much scandal as any Pentecostal evangelical <laughs> preacher, uh that his father um absconded with all the money that he earned as a pre- as a child preacher. And then <clears throat> uh so he went and became a beatnik for a while and then decided to go back into preaching and um modeled his sermons on the rock and roll shows of the Rolling Stones. Obviously. As as you do. Um and then decided to become an actor and did, you know, the kind of the 70s TV shows that all actors did uh, and was also the subject of a documentary called Marjo that won the Academy Award for Best Documentary in 1972, uh, looking at the way that he was exploited as an evangelical Pentecostal minister. So I just think that's really fascinating. That is really. Fa- I didn't know any of that. So, yeah, um, I just thought that was really interesting. And he plays... A space wizard in this movie, basically.
1: Who you could argue dies and, and is resurrected later.
0: Yeah, he like this movie, and one of the reasons I think you can malign it is uh full of plot armor and Deus Ex Machina. Uh that like whenever Acton's character needs a power, he has it. He's not the only one. Oh, no, he's not the only one by any stretch. Yeah, he definitely has
1: the most powers uh, of any character, but there is a moment which feels like it should be the end of the movie. But there's a good 25 minutes after where, uh, you know, the villain uh, Count Zarth Arn has done the classic uh, Bond villain. He must have seen. Uh, Carolyn Monroe, and that just put him in a mindset of a Bond villain because he decides to leave all the heroes in a room uh, and is like, this planet's going to be blown up, so you're just going to stay in this room until you're blown up with the planet. Anyway, right. I'm going to leave. And then Christopher Plummer shows up, which was part of the plan because he wants to blow him up as well. And he says something to the effect of like... You don't get to be the emperor without having a few powers. And he then uses his spaceship to control time. Right. Which is a thing he can do, but only does that one time for three minutes. It felt like that would have, maybe it has to recharge for a while. It felt like that three minutes stopping of time probably would have helped that final battle. But what do I know?
0: Yeah, who knows? Um, But yeah, that seemed like it should have been the end of the movie. They escape the weapon planet as it blows up. Uh, But then there's another space battle. With the floating city. Yeah, well, and <laughs> it's in that
1: final space battle that they say the words star crash because that's their plan is they're using the floating city to star crash the
0: villain. Right. And they do. And they win. And that's yay heroes. Mm hmm. Uh, but yeah, this movie is bananas. It is. It's 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 nuts. It's, um, yeah, like. It's a full on ice cream sundae. It's bananas. Oh, yeah. It's bananas. It's nuts. It's chocolate sauce. It's a full on banana split. (laughs) It's, yeah. It's, uh, cherry on top is L, the, uh, robot, the Western robot police officer. Yeah. We haven't, yeah, we haven't talked
1: about him, which you could hear it in the opening clip, but yeah, he has a,
0: A voice where he's like, Hey, howdy, y'all. I'm
1: a robot.
0: Oh, except they pronounce it robot, which is my favorite pronunciation of that word. Yeah,
1: it's this in Futurama use that pronunciation. They also clearly, again, this was parallel thinking because this movie definitely isn't ripping off Star Wars, but he's a robot that is also terrified of all adventures that he goes on.
0: Right. But is also really good at adventures, unlike the, ro- the robots in uh, Star Wars.
1: Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely some C3PO in the way that he's written of like, I don't want to be here.
0: This is bad. Well, this seems dangerous. Let's go ahead and do it though. And yeah, it's just uh He's wonderful and a delight and just showing that this movie had to have been made at breakneck speed. Yeah. Like, there, there weren't a lot of take twos, I'm certain. No. Why would um, you need it? I mean, here's the thing. When you hit a home run on take one,
1: why would you shoot take two? That's yeah, just you don't wasteful. keep taking
0: swing. You don't keep taking pitches once you hit it out of the park. That's, that's definitely <laughs> true. Um, you, just, you just round the bases and head back home. Um, no, but th- like. The, sc- the scene that we listened to in the opening, uh, one, sexy as hell. Well, let's just get that out there, <laughs> just just hot, just woof
1: <laughs> where they lay down and hold hands while they freeze together in the snow?
0: exactly, yeah. um I mean the, you could t- well, and the funny part is that uh Carolyn Monroe and uh, Judd Hamilton were husband and wife. oh, at the time. Another fun fact about this movie
1: and this did this movie ruin their marriage?
0: Yes. <laughs> immediately um but yeah and then but like she clearly develops this bond with the robot named L E L L E I don't know why it has a girl's name but yep it, it is whatever um and eventually L gets killed by a bunch of cavemen hmm and nobody reacts to it nope I, I think I had more of a visceral response to L getting just murder, just uh than anybody in the movie. I was like, huh? the robot well, companion. Well, perhaps they knew that the
1: robot was destined to unceremoniously be fixed for the end of the as, movie. As robots can can do. No, it was funny. It was so unceremonious when the the robot was killed that when they said like we have a friend of yours that we've fixed i really thought it was going to be acton because acton had much more screen time and emotional connection that right. i just didn't think they were going to bother to bring the robot back
0: well yeah cuz acton of course sacrifices himself i guess is shown to be utterly invincible through the entire movie and then gets grazed on the arm by a sword uh carried by what's written in the Wikipedia s- synopsis as a robot golem.
1: <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, is like, after he... The the way that they are saved from freezing on the... Because what happens is they're betrayed by one of their crew members and they're locked outside of the ship. And he at first by is... By Thor. By Thor, <laughs> yeah. But at first, Acton is incapacitated, but then... He just is on the ground and he's okay, and then he stands up, and then Thor just starts shooting him at close range with a blaster, and he no sells it like he's the ultimate warrior wrestling Triple H, and yeah. like just immediately defeats him.
0: Yeah, and then they just have a, a apparently completely improvised fight, according to the IMDb trivia. Which tracks with the
1: way that all of these fights felt. It didn't feel like a moment of fight choreography ever was run by anyone. It all looked like improvised
0: fighting. All that being said, like, I've seen worse. I, I'm going to, I'm just going to throw the gauntlet down right now.
1: This is probably one of my favorite movies we've ever watched on this
0: podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like, just, I'm just going to own it before we even pivot to the silver linings. I loved it. I really did.
0: (laughs) No, this, like, this, honestly, this is the movie we've been waiting for for this podcast.
1: It really really is. Because I think it's a mix of, like, there's some stuff that I sincerely liked and a lot that I liked because it's just so ridiculous.
0: I don't, I, although I will say this, I don't know if I could have enjoyed this movie if we had not done almost two years worth of this podcast, or almost, right. almost two and a half years worth of this podcast. Yeah, it's, <laughs> we're sort of like we're our own uh, protagonist
1: in a in a movie where we have not realized that the girl with paint on her overalls and a, her hair in a ponytail has been star crashed the whole time, that, like, I think... If we watched this week one, which is funny because we started with Star Wars movies
0: right. two we years did start ago. With these Star Wars prequels, yeah.
1: But I think if we had watched this too early, we wouldn't have appreciated just how special it is. I think it took two years of finding Silver Linings and of watching a lot of Caddyshack
0: twos to. Yeah, a lot of the happenings, a lot of Transmorphers <laughs> to get to where we are today. I also think the last two weeks helped because, yeah, I had
1: that too, where like after. <laughs> after uh the war of the worlds and transmorphers we were talking about doing more asylum features and and i i think i just told you i was like i can't i can't i can't do another asylum movie (laughs) we have to find something else
0: and we this is something we had talked about doing for a while and um as part of this mockbusters month because this is absolutely a mockbuster um or at least very least a drafting opportunity like they liked a space movie let's make another space movie um. No. This like yeah. Uh, this this is the movie we've been waiting for. It really is. Yeah. Uh, I I
1: guess I mean it feels like we're pivoting. So I I don't know if we want to spotlight some specific.
0: Well, the ADR is horrendous.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, let's do this real quick, and then we can just spend the rest of the, the podcast being positive. The ADR is horrendous. Uh, it feels like just about every line, if not every line, is redubbed. Uh, the lips often don't match. I don't think they really tried to match the, the lip movement. No. Also, I mean, I liked this movie a lot, but it's narratively a mess. Oh, <laughs> like- a
0: hot mess.
1: I don't even know if it makes sense. It reminds me a lot of the movie that they make in Community with the Chang footage of just, which I think we've referenced recently on this show. But well,
0: yeah, that was we talked about that last week with the uh, the robots and transmorphers looked like the Gugas they just threw in. But this has that feel
1: of uh, they're flying by the seat of their pants narratively. There's also a fascinating blend of sci-fi stuff like i said I, you can definitely obviously see the star wars you can see some barbarella i feel like there's some planet of the apes there's like a part where they're on the beach and so people ride horses and grab them so it's pulling from a lot of sci-fi stuff but then even the fact that the guy's name is thor there's like there's some mythology stuff happening in here there's definitely some jason and the argonauts inspired oh, this, you can
0: tell that there's a lot of like um ray harryhausen influence like this was um one of the pitches was essentially Sinbad goes to Mars. Which you can feel that in. Oh, yeah. Big time. Like this has a whole clash of the titans, all of it. Well, and it's like,
1: uh, what's his name? The, the villain uh, Count Zartharn. Uh, he has some, some robots of his that have scabbards, basically. Like they right. have big... Pirate swords that they're and out. also angry eyebrows and angry eyebrows, and they are very stop motion animation and the way that they move. Oh, uh, there's also, not, oh, yeah, go I ahead. was gonna say,
0: let's not forget about the giant Amazon statue. Literally, what
1: exactly what I was gonna bring up too, which is why I stopped because I figured, but yeah, so there is a very, yeah, so there's a lot of like those kind of effects of. Uh, things that are a space version of things that would feel very at home in a Greek movie like Jason and the Argonauts.
0: Yeah, and I think just right before we pivot, uh, I think that this movie also makes me appreciate just how good Star Wars looked in the 70s.
1: <laughs> yes, although I will say as we pivot, there's some things specifically I will spotlight about in ways that this movie looks, but... For the clothing alone and the way
0: that <laughs> Well and like the way that the miniatures were filmed in the two movies and everything, like all the miniatures in this movie look like miniatures. Whereas I don't feel like that was the case with like the miniatures in Star Wars as much. Um But yeah, like this this movie's a delight. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. Are we doing um, it? We doing it. Shall we get to the silver linings, which is the entire freaking movie?
1: Yeah it's great yeah we already said that that it's great uh since you mentioned like the way things look and everything i'll tell you one thing i loved is i think because it's an italian director you get this almost uh like giallo kind of lighting Mm -hmm. and uh, i love the lighting in this movie like there are some legit really cool effects that i have not seen in a space movie that are that do stand out and that Look, obviously, Star Wars is a standard, obviously, this is what it's ripping off, but it's I think now, in the hindsight of being in twenty twenty two and and seeing where Star Wars ended up, which is more Star Wars than we ever expected that we would get, you realize how. <sighs> It's funny, it's like, Star Wars was super groundbreaking when it was made for all its visual effects and for its style and for what it did for sci-fi, and now it's been around so long that they're afraid to do anything different with it, and so it almost felt refreshing. We've sort of come full circle that it's like, I appreciated how weird and colorful and moody a lot of the space stuff looked in this.
0: Yeah, no, like, the stuff like... Even though, like, like I hate to say, it looks fake, but even though it does, like, there's just a charm to it, and like the way that, like, the floating city, dumb name, <laughs> not any less dumb than Death Star, but <laughs> yeah, um, at the same time, like, just the way that, like, the different like sections of the city are lit, like, it's just a, it, it is some cool imagery, um, yeah, and you know. This movie was made by the seat of their pants for has to be a nothing budget, but this movie's taken a nothing budget farther than a lot of movies with a nothing budget that we've watched for this podcast.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing is it's it's clear that they didn't have money. It's clear that a lot of it looks cheesy, but it also there's a lot of creativity in the way that this movie is made and looks and again, coming off of the asylum films, a surprisingly ambitious array of locations and and different scenes and set pieces and characters I, I mean it's honestly doing more than star wars a new hope was doing for i'm sure a fraction of the budget
0: oh a a percent of the budget like one or 2% of the budget i'm sure so i
1: i respect that like i respect the the just gall to be like no, we're going to have an ice planet. We're going to have a beach. We're going to have all these outer space sets. Uh, we're going to have these troglodytes. We're going to have these Amazons. Yeah, I don't know if they just happen to have all of these uh sets and costumes on a soundstage somewhere. And so they were like, we're just using everything. But I I really do respect the fact that they threw the kitchen sink into this movie.
0: Yeah, no, the, like it does more with less than a lot of the movies that we watch for this podcast. And it's it that's the thing is it's
1: it, it's never boring. Like no. every, you know, it's often you're scratching your head to be like,
0: what is happening now? How did we get here? But Yeah, the narrative is bananas, but it's compelling.
1: Yes. And there's a lot of great, it's just very brief characters. I because we talked a lot of, of about the main characters, but uh, Nadia Cassini as Queen Corelia, really scene stealer for the Amazon scenes. Yeah. Uh, I, and also, I mean, I don't think we spent enough time talking about how much I loved Count Zarth Arn, who let's, let's describe him to people, Andy, if they haven't seen him. So, this man, you can see the Darth Vader influences. He's, he's obviously yeah. the Darth Vader, uh, analogy, he has a cape, like Darth Vader does. He has... There's a... also a
0: lot of Ming the Merciless happening, and this is a couple years before uh, Flash yeah. Gordon.
1: But yeah, he, he has a cape, he has kind of the leathery, you know, Darth Vader type of clothes. But he looks like
0: a space vampire. Who is also a mob hitman. Because he's played by uh, Jerry Spinell. Yeah. Or Joe Spinell. Um, who is uh, who is in the Rocky movies, who is in Godfather 1 and 2, uh, was kind of like a stereotypical heavy in a lot of these movies through this time period. But yeah, he plays Zarth Arn. And, and he, he's eating it, the scenery every time. He's just he shows. <laughs> going nuts, and it's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's uh, seriously, he's Space Count Chocula. Like he's just. <laughs> He's
0: he really? Oh my god, com- that's awesome! He
1: commands, you know, like he saunters into a room, just like full on, you know, flanked by his army, uh, bond villaining his way into explaining how he's going to blow everyone up. It's I was utterly delighted by you him. No, he
0: like like with the exception of Stella Star, like almost everybody only has three scenes, and his three scenes are epic. Yeah yeah it
1: really, really is like uh but no I, I enjoyed him a lot um I thought the guy, chief Thor you know Robert Tessier was really
0: good and he was a solid like you knew from the jump street that he was a bad guy yeah, well, even he when a- he seemed like he was being a good guy he was really a bad guy I mean he's like this bald headed
1: green like creepy guy the whole time and then it's like he betrayed us <laughs> <It's> what like- <laughs> uh but yeah all all of that fantastic i mean yeah and then you have i think carolyn monroe does really good work in this no i think
0: i think she's she never feels like a damsel in distress you know but like i think getting to that like giallo ideas like she has a final girl feel to her character throughout all of it too
1: yes no she does uh and like you really do have that in in some ways it's funny to think of the ways that it's more progressive than star wars which Again, I love Princess Leia. I think Princess Leia is an amazing character and I adore Carrie Fisher and I think she did really good work with it. But when you think about just in Star Wars, the plot really revolves around uh, breaking Leia out of this prison to save her. And in this movie uh, that, again, was completely separate from Star Wars and was definitely not in any way. Uh, inspired by Star Wars, it just happened to come out after Star Wars. She rescues herself from prison. Right. She breaks out of prison
0: herself. Yeah. But I like that. (laughs) Like, that's a good. (laughs) That's another just great, terrible scene when the burlap sack prisoner is like, well, you can't break out. They'll hit you with the laser whips, which we never see the laser (laughs) whips. She just gets beaten with a club a couple of times. But then like in getting beaten with the club, like she grabs the blaster, throws it to one of the burlap sack people and goes like, oh, I guess we're doing this. Yeah. It, the
1: the complete 180, the lady who is like, this is a bad idea too. Now I'm shooting the guards. It's it like, is, nope,
0: I'm all in.
1: <laughs>
0: I didn't know you'd have a blaster. Okay. That changes everything. <laughs> oh, we, we were going to actually attack the guards. Now, okay. That's different than what I was going to do, which was just sit here and cry. So... <laughs> I also am very confused by how what their trial
1: process was. They had a trial, but it was just one guy doing the sentencing.
0: Yeah, they had a sentencing is is really what they had. So it's very Alice um, in Wonderland. Yeah, and just like, and then she breaks out, and then uh, Thor and L are like, "No, we were you were free anyway because we need you to do this mission for us." Yeah, and then it's a lot of setting up
1: the thing that didn't like it up until the prison like lockup it felt like we were setting up one movie. Then the movie stops and sets up a different movie after she gets out of prison. Which right. like
0: sure. Well and and just the fact that like the movie starts with the initial spaceship going to the weapon planet and the red goo makes everyone go crazy. And that's, I think, the most giallo moment of the whole thing. Like when they go the red goo monster that's in the atmosphere of this planet. Yeah. Which. Um,
1: Yeah. Did you track the explanation? Because eventually. I as I understood it, uh, Acton said that that was that they created a thing to make everyone think that they were seeing the monster, but they weren't. I didn't. I could honestly not track. Because when they get to the planet that's going to blow up, he's like, no, they didn't create monsters. They created these disks that they shoot into space that make our brains think we saw monsters. And I was like, no, but I think there was a
0: monster. Okay, sure. I mean, there was definitely a giant space amoeba thing. But I get it was in our brains, Andy. It was. Yeah, it was in our minds the whole time. And if we just believe it's not there, we can get through. And that's basically how they do it. I guess. (laughs) Um, yeah, but then, uh, Stella and Acton essentially get caught speeding and then get sent to their prison planets. And then they get, after they break out, uh, they say, oh no, we were letting you out anyway so that we could, uh, so that you could do this mission for us. And then they go and try to find the escape pods and then they find Prince Simon and he has the laser mask that he never uses again.
1: Yeah, it shoots laser beams out of its eyes. It's awesome. But he only uses it uh, to reveal that he's him. Also, he... oh, he it's
0: also 100% a creature from the Black Lagoon masks, ba- painted glittery gold.
1: Yep. Yeah, it, definitely it's awesome. is. it looks great. Yeah, it's so cool. And I wish he had worn it more. Also, he doesn't tell her that he's a prince. And but apparently Acton knows the whole time. And then eventually tells her that he's the prince and she tries to be mad and he gives a completely nonsensical, well, at first I didn't know if I could trust you and then I didn't know how to tell you, which I guess could work in a different movie, but they've had about five minutes of screen time between when he didn't tell her and that moment.
0: <laughs> well, that's just one of my favorite bits of the nonsense about this movie is she's like, who are you? And he's like, this is a mask that has energy shields on it. And he like goes in this explanation of the mask. And then it's like, oh right, you asked who I am. I'm Simon.
1: <laughs> who she's and I like
0: to and I like to do drawings. Who she's looking for but
1: doesn't know is the prince. Right. Yep.
0: Yeah, it's um yeah. I, I mean, Joel and I we met doing improvisational comedy and did our fair amount of uh, sci-fi epics, and this feels like one of those in the best way, po- improvised sci-fi epics, and this feels like one of those in the best way possible. I wish we could have ever
1: reached the the heights <laughs> of this movie. I think we came close a few times, but I don't know if we ever quite reached Star Crash, which is great. I, no, I mean, that's, that's the bar for just improvised space operas. Uh, I do have this, too, that uh, if you want another silver lining, uh, first of all, I think we can all agree, Christopher Plummer Oh, yeah, he's he's the best just as an actor, as a person who doesn't love Christopher (laughs) Plummer. But he said this about the movie. uh, Give me Rome any day because they filmed in Rome. I'll do porno in Rome as long as I can get to Rome. Getting to Rome was the greatest thing that happened in that for me. I think it was only about three days in Rome on that one. It was all shot at once.
0: He got, to you, go to he got to go Bless to Rome.
1: He got to go to Rome. I'm legit excited that Christopher Plummer enjoyed his time in
0: Rome. That he got to go to his favorite place to make this bizarre movie. <laughs> and then like his like Shakespearean aside at the end. Where he looks directly into camera. Yeah, no, it is. It is full on like. The narrator, like Puck from A Midsummer Night's Dream giving the valediction at the end of the play. Like, that's exactly what this is.
1: Yeah, he's it's a lot of like, we are safe for now, but someday we might not be.
0: Evil might rise again <laughs> and again and again. I say bring back the Star Crash universe. Let's do it with a 2022 budget. and Let's go.
1: Could you imagine if someone and a look, whoever's listening, who isn't Disney Plus? Is this Netflix? Is this Amazon? You guys want to compete with like what they're doing. They're making Mandalorians and solos and Boba Fett's and, and, and Boba Fett's. How are you going to compete with that? You hire me and Andy to relaunch the Star Crash universe. We're
0: going to do standalones. We're going to do a whole connected thing. And like we're going to learn about the Amazons. We're going to find out all about how L got built. Uh, you want uh, Thor, a uh, Star Crash story? We'll give you Thor, a Star Crash story. <laughs>
1: uh, but yeah, and we're going to do it, you know, like the same way where we will slavishly be devoted to this <laughs> this
0: movie. We won't. <laughs> won't do anything new or different.
1: Yeah, we won't reinvent the wheel. We're really just doing what you've already seen.
0: If fully locked in. All the way. And I think, yeah, I think that Netflix, Amazon, Tubi, if you want to be the first Tubi original, <laughs> we'll do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's time to get in the original game Tubi, I think, for sure.
0: Yeah, I've, or the Roku channel, if you want to get in on original content instead of just buying up all of the uh, Quibby stuff. And
1: I think we can make this for like 90% of the budget of those Star Wars shows.
0: I think we could do it for 10% of the budget of those Star Wars shows. I know, but don't tell them. Because we're gonna make it for 10% of that, but then we're gonna keep the other 80%. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah 90% of the budget, I think, is what we'd need. Yeah. You know. So, so give us $7 billion. <laughs> <laughs> And we will really use it. It'll all be on screen. You'll see every penny well accounted for. <laughs> I I think we did it, Andy. Oh, I there's no doubt in my mind that we did it. This like I, honestly, like we very rarely I think say this, but do yourself a favor and give this movie a watch. Yeah, I I would love But first, But first, spend two years doing a podcast looking for the silver linings in bad movies. Then you'll be in the right headspace to watch this. You have to watch every movie that
1: we've watched up until now, but when you get to this movie, it's going to be a real treat. Starcraft. And under
0: no circumstances should you watch the first Garfield.
1: Ever. You're not allowed. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, this movie is so much... This is the movie that we've been building to on this podcast.
1: Yeah, which is why this is it. We're yeah, we're, we're, done. The, we're done. We're going out on top, baby. That's a, look, we're not done, but we will I will say I'll end it how we always end it, which is to say goodbye for now. <laughs> uh, What's I don't have her name. Stella well, Star? Stella. Yeah, goodbye for now, Stella. <laughs> That's what he said. When, yep, it is. When they froze. No, I'm kidding. That's not how we're in here. We're in it like this. Well, it's done. It's happened. The stars are clear. The planets shine. We've won. Oh, some dark force, no doubt, will show its face once more. The wheel will always turn, but for now it's calm, and for a little time, at least, we can rest.
0: Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts hear more great shows on the peak sloth podcast network like this one
1: hi everyone i'm joel murphy and i'm stephanie Smar. and this is stephanie knows some Shit, where every week we are going to tap into stephanie's brain and share with you some of the insight that she has about cooking shopping top chef all of the things that you want to know yeah we're
0: going to tell some stories enjoy some time together and really dive into the things that you might be afraid to Google? We might have the answer. I actually, I'm pretty confident we do.